I'm jumping in with a quick message that I've added to all HR Coffee Time episodes to let you know that my group programme, Inspiring HR, is back. In case you haven't heard of it before, it's an intensive six-week programme for mid and senior level HR and people professionals. So if you're an HR business partner, HR manager, head of HR or HR director, or the people equivalent, so a people business partner, people manager, head of people or people director, and you'd like to build your confidence, your credibility and your impact at work, Inspiring HR could be perfect for you. We get started on Wednesday the 5th of June 2024 when we'll be meeting up over Zoom for two hours every week. The group sessions are a blend of group coaching, training and facilitation. They're supportive, encouraging and practical and each week has a slightly different focus. So in week one, we look at setting yourself up for success. Week two is about boosting your confidence. Week three focuses on being strategic in your role. Week four is all about building key relationships. Week five takes a deep dive into influencing at a senior level. And the final week looks at planning for the future. There's a link with the full details in the show notes for you. Or you can learn more by going to my website, Bright Sky Career Coaching, clicking on services and then clicking on Inspiring HR Group Programme. I would love to have you join us and to get to know you throughout the programme. But if you have any questions about Inspiring HR at all, please feel free to ask by getting in touch through the website and I would be very happy to answer them for you. Welcome to HR Coffee Time, a podcast to help you have a successful and fulfilling HR career without working yourself into the ground. I'm your host, Faye Wallace, a career coach and outplacement specialist, and I'm also the founder of Bright Sky Career Coaching. In this week's episode, you will get to hear from leadership and mindset coach, Jackie Jagger. And I know firsthand that Jackie is a brilliant coach because I've turned to her for coaching at several times over the past few years. After all, as a coach who believes in coaching, it would be a bit weird if I never had any coaching myself. This is the third episode of a short series of episodes about stepping into a new role as an HR leader. In it, Jackie shares her advice on what to do and what not to do when you're promoted internally into an HR leadership role, so that you're able to make a success of your time in your new role. And I'll link to the two previous episodes from the series in the show notes. They were solo episodes and they are episode 23, setting yourself up for success in your new HR leadership role. So that one was more for anyone who has got a new job at a different organisation to the one they've been working in. And episode 26, how to be strategic in your new HR leadership role. I had planned on today's episode being the last one in this series, but this has proven to be such a popular series that I'm definitely going to add one more to it, which will be about creating your 100-day plan for your new HR leadership role. I have another fantastic guest lined up for that episode, and she isn't free to do the recording until May, so it probably won't be released until late May or early June, but it's one for you to look forward to. So it's wonderful to have you here today, Jackie. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. 
Thank you so much for inviting me. I am a massive fan of the show. I've shared episodes numerous times, so really glad to be invited. Thank you. Oh, well, it's brilliant to have you here. And I thought it would be great if we could just start off with you introducing yourself to everyone who's listening. Thank you. Oh, the drum roll for the introduction. Um, So my name is Jackie Jagger and I am a leadership and mindset coach. So I work with two types of clients fundamentally. One is ambitious founders who need to sort their mindset and be ready for the business growth that they are looking for. And the other, which is what we'll be focusing on today, is working primarily with people who have been internally promoted And a lot of that is in founder-led growing businesses. So it's that stage of people's career where they've got the ambition, they've realized that dream, they've got the promotion, and then what? (laughs) So it's supporting people at that transition stage into, and typically it's a first um, step from a management role into more of a leadership role. So maybe a head of or a, a director level role. Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing what words of wisdom you're going to be sharing with us all today. So if I could dive straight in with a question, it would be brilliant to know what you think the common promotion pitfalls are that we need to be looking out for. So there are a number of different promotion pitfalls. And as you say, they are typically, there are some that that can happen regardless of whether it's an internal or an external promotion but there are a number of pitfalls that it's really helpful to be aware of when you're promoted internally specifically, because if you aren't aware of them, they can sometimes catch you unawares and they can really derail and make what you'd hoped would be, you know, a real great step in your career. They can make it feel really quite uncomfortable and challenging. So there are four that I would say are, and particularly useful to be aware of and to guard against when you're promoted internally specifically. And the first of those is the the trap of doing more rather than doing different. So when you're promoted internally, very often there are the, the kind of still different scenarios of being promoted internally. So one is there's an existing structure and there's a vacancy and you get that promotion and you might be promoted from an HR manager to a head of HR where the structure is already in place and you potentially replace and are doing the role that your boss used to do is is quite a typical scenario. And then in growing businesses, there's also a slightly different scenario that can occur where the company builds its structure as it grows. And that can create opportunities where new roles are created and where you kind of step up a level at that that point. And in either of those scenarios, one of the things that people often do when they make that step up is they're still the expert in the things that they used to do. And therefore, there are things that come naturally to them. There are things that other people see them as the expert in and will ask them about. And very often, what I see is a pattern of people layering on additional work to the role that they used to do and doing more rather than pausing and really understanding the differences in what is this role asking of me compared to what my previous role asked of me. And when you ask yourself that question, what you can start to do is see 
yes, there are additional responsibilities, new things that you'll need to do, new skills you'll need to develop, but there are also going to be things that you're going to need to stop doing, do differently or do less of. And understanding that can help to avoid a pattern of overwork and potentially burnout. It's a typical step where people are going for that first leadership role and there's a real temptation to work harder and do more and that can really impact on people's sort of mental health and well-being and I know you touched on that in your episode about external as well but yeah it's it's very prevalent when people are promoted internally. Now I could dive in with lots of questions about that one but I know you said you had four things that you wanted to talk about so I'm going to be very restrained and let you carry on talking. Can you tell us what the second thing is? Of course so the second is linked really and that's being over ambitious about what can be achieved so if everything is important then nothing is and when you step up and you've got that promotion it's really tempting to particularly when you're promoted internally you know the business already you know the people already you know the priorities already so that context is already there and often you can be chomping at the bit it's that you've got that additional autonomy, you've got the chance to impact things that you maybe didn't have as much influence over in your previous role. And so the temptation is to just throw yourself at everything all at once. And the difficulty with that is that, first off, it contributes again to that overwork temptation, but also thinking about for yourself and your team, what that does is it it really holds back from the clarity of what is most important. And when you really want to make an impact as a leader, it's really helpful to be clear for yourself and for your team about what the priorities really are. And there's a standing joke with my clients um, that I will only let people have three priorities. And even within that, what I encourage people to do is to be able to answer the question, what is the one current biggest priority for myself and my team? And if you ask that of different team members, everybody should be able to answer that same question in the same way, because although you're a leader, you are not doing this alone. You are supported. HR teams are often lean. They are often, you know, got a lot of different competing things to get done. So if there isn't that clarity on what is the current real priority, it's easy that everybody is busy doing their own thing. And actually the most important stuff doesn't get the attention and the focus that it needs and deserves. So asking yourself that question can be a really helpful check-in to know do I know that? But also, do my would my team answer that question in the same way? I think with, as with all good advice when it comes to your career or leadership, it often is around simplicity is best. So the solutions always seem to be, the best ones seem to be the simplest ones. So actually just being really clear on priorities, I completely agree with you. From a coaching perspective, I see this come up all of the time for both leaders and the people who are reporting into them where there is this feeling of complete overwhelm so the leader themselves may just be feeling absolutely swamped and oh my gosh how are we going to get all of this done and then you start to sometimes get these feelings of failing because you're not hitting everything that you want to achieve when actually it's 
exactly what you said about being over ambitious with what you can achieve in the amount of time and and not setting clear priorities and so I also see it from the other perspective when I'm coaching people who say oh my workload is insane my boss is just expecting so much of me so I think you've touched on something just so important but I've gone back on what I said which was I wasn't going to interrupt you as you talk through your four things it's too brilliant hearing you talk about them Jackie so I will pause again and let you tell us your third thing that you wanted to focus on. So the third is um, being promoted over peers. So this is a really specific one when people are promoted internally and it's something that can kind of, I guess people when they hear that tend to think of directly managing people who were part of the, you were part of the team with. So you used to have a peer relationship directly within a team and now you're somebody's own manager. And that absolutely is part of the picture. And sometimes noses can be out of joint because people don't want to be managed by you or because they might have applied for the job as well. And what I would say in that instance is it's really important not to bury your head in the sand. So very often what people do is kind of almost think, you know, I'll let the dust settle, I'll see how it goes and wait to tackle it down the line. And it's very tempting to do that. But what I really encourage people to do is to think about really being open with that communication from the start and being, you know, giving people the chance to to talk about how do they feel about that? How do they want the working relationship to work with the situation as it is now? Because they may not be happy with the situation and they may feel a little bit uncomfortable or little bit resentful that you've gained that promotion and they haven't by listening to how do they think it might best be solved at least you're starting to open that door and I I had this exact situation um, when I was promoted and I remember sitting down with um, somebody that had been a peer of mine and having a a conversation and it was just simply a case of saying look I know this conversation might not be that comfortable for both of us but I sense that you're not feeling great about the fact that I'm managing you now. How do we resolve this? And it honestly, just from that one conversation, and, and she literally by the end of the conversation said to me, do you know what? I'm, I might not feel great about the situation, but I really respect the fact that you've, you've opened that conversation and opened that door. And so, yeah, I really encourage people to address it sooner rather than later with that. The other thing that people don't always consider is that you don't just have peers within your team, you have peers within the wider business. And so if you've been, for example, a a sort of operational management level and then you're promoted to a senior leadership role, it's not just your immediate peers within your team that you've been promoted ahead of, it's also can impact relationships with those people who were peers more broadly within the business. And so it can be really helpful to consider that when you're being promoted, because it's very easy to feel like, oh, well, I'm not their manager, so it won't impact the relationship in the same way. But often it can, because those other people in different functions, departments can still kind of feel that sense of, oh, you know, they've got the promotion, I'm still at this level, and it can impact on openness and transparency and some of the conversations that they might have. 
it can impact on, um, you know, potentially you might have had social relationships with them and they might feel a little bit awkward or they might there might be stuff that you're now party to that's commercially sensitive and you can't, you know, maintain that level of transparency. So it's just really helpful to think about how can I maintain the relationships that I need to maintain and how can I make that a, a positive and constructive relationship with that person, even if the situation means that some of the transparency isn't there in that relationship anymore. Mm, I think you're right. It's very easy to focus on, oh gosh, if I've been promoted over my peers within my team, but actually you raised such a good point about the fact that it could be peers across the organisation who are affected as well. So I think you've talked us through three of your things. The fourth one, you've you've got me in suspense now. What are you going to say next? So the fourth is something that I call the identity gap. And what I mean by this is when you step up into a leadership role, there are two ways that this can manifest. So one is that you don't quite feel like you belong. So it can sometimes feel like a bit of an out-of-body experience. You might go to your first board meeting, you might go to um, you know, a, an industry event where you know, suddenly you realize that people are seeing you differently because your title is different. But it's really about how you feel compared to what the role is. And the other is it can manifest in terms of how other people see you compared to so particularly when you're promoted internally if you've been at an operational level and you're now at a senior leadership level other people will still potentially see you as you were because it's literally day one you're here day two you're in the senior leadership role and so it's easy that other people don't instinctively shift their perception because you're still the same person you were yesterday and so what I really encourage people to do with this is to work from the inside out so to you you will typically influence how others see you when you work on how you see yourself and the mistake that people sometimes make is they wait for external validation for other people to respond to them differently in order to give themselves permission to feel that they are at that more senior level. And rarely does that work out well, because what happens is they start to feel like, oh, you know, other people aren't treating me any differently. I don't feel that I'm perhaps afforded the same respect that other members of the senior team are. And so they they start to doubt themselves, wonder why that is. And they're waiting for that kind of external permission to feel that they belong at that table. Whereas when you work from the inside out and start to think about, okay, so what are the, the strengths? What are the skills that I bring? What's the reason that I've been promoted? What are all the reasons why actually I do belong? And I might be a beginner as opposed to an experienced member of this team, but I bring my skills, experiences, my own perspectives, and I can still contribute at this level. And when you focus on yourself and what you bring, really understand your strengths and really understand how you can bring diversity to that team and how you can bring different perspectives, then when you work from that side very quickly, the way that you behave follows and other people kind of sit up and take notice. So it's really about starting to focus on what do you have, what are your strengths, 
rather than waiting for external validation to give you that internal feeling of belonging. Mm, so really working on that believing in yourself and the fact that you've you've earned that right to be in that position, definitely. I suppose it's very easy for imposter syndrome to start rearing its head at this moment where you think, oh gosh, I've been promoted, but actually I don't really deserve it. I'm a fraud. And that can cause all sorts of challenges, especially related to this identity gap. There can be some quite interesting signals I think you can give to everyone around you as well that you are ready for that promotion and you deserve to be there. I've been doing some coaching with a group of people, well, I'm still in the midst of it at the moment, actually, (laughs) who are all hoping to be promoted. So it's a situation where there are several people who have been offered the coaching, but actually we all know that not all of them are going to be promoted because there aren't enough promotion positions available. And um, one of them said to me, oh, I, I know that one of my colleagues is hoping to get promoted and I said oh okay and uh, he he said I know because he's started coming into the office wearing a suit and tie and he's never ever dressed like that before and I thought it's really interesting isn't it to think of these little signals that we give out to try and show that actually we're ready for this step up and I'm not suggesting at all for a moment that everyone suddenly needs to start wearing a suit if they want to get promoted but I'd be really curious to see if that's partly for him to help him feel like he's embodying the position of what he thinks he needs to be in that promoted role, or if he is also trying to influence the people who will make that decision over the promotion as to, you know, whether he is the right fit for it. It's so interesting, isn't it, to think of the signals that we can put in place that feel right for us? It, it is. And funnily enough, that exact piece, I've seen that given as advice to dress uh. differently if you want to be promoted. It's not advice I would give, but I totally see that for that person, if truly they feel like when they dress that way, they see themselves differently and it allows them to feel different about how they're operating then actually that could be a really handy approach because leadership starts with who you are being rather than what you are doing. And when you are being that person, then what you do flows naturally from it. You can be a leader at any level in an organisation. So really understanding and embodying that absolutely can help prepare people before the the promotion opportunity becomes available. And that bit I would encourage um, in terms of how you dress, if that enables that, and if that feels good to you, then knock yourself out. But don't feel, you know, equally, sometimes I think people can sometimes follow advice like that, and it feels really unnatural, and they feel like, you know, I'm wearing my mum's outfit here or my dad's outfit here and dressing like somebody else. If it feels like you, great if it feels like somebody else then I would say avoid that and find the things that really help you to be the leader that you want to be because when you see yourself that way you behave that way other people will notice it too. Mm. So thank you very much for talking us through those four things. What are some key takeaways for people who are getting promoted? What other advice would you give to them? So what I would say is, one is to think about, and and this particularly when you're internally promoted, 
very often there's no induction or onboarding in the same way that there is when people join a business externally. And so I would say create that for yourself if it's not being given to you. So you can craft a 90-day plan where what you can do is really kind of sit back and take stock. And the process that I suggest people do is, first of all, reflect and get clarity on what are the expectations in this new role. Because very often you can go into that promotion with an assumption that you know what the expectations are, but it's very easy to just make that assumption rather than those expectations having been explicit. So, you know, talk to your new boss, talk to the team, talk to you know, other people in the business, reflect on, you know, literally sit and look at the two job descriptions and reflect on what is it that I need to really focus my attention on now that wasn't on my old one? What is there that isn't on the new one that I now need to make a plan for in terms of if I am find a person that knows it now and I can do it now, who else is, is that going to sit with if it's not going to sit with me in the future? And from there, what you can do is really think about what skills do I need to gain? And also, behaviourally, how do I need to operate in this role? And those are the two crucial bits that I would say when people are putting their own kind of 90 day development plan together is thinking about it in those two ways, the the skill piece and what you need to do, and then the behavioural piece of how you need to operate. And from there, you can then reflect on what will happen naturally because opportunities will come up and what might I need to plan for. So are the skills that I don't have that I might want to ask for some support or development with? Are there ways of being that maybe don't come as naturally to me or that I won't have as much opportunity to demonstrate unless I create that opportunity? And if so, how do I do that? So that's the stuff that I would really encourage people to to kind of pull together practically into a plan. The other takeaway, I would say, so plan is takeaway one. And the second, I would say, is don't try to be invulnerable. Very often when people get promoted, there is this feeling of I should be able to handle things. I should have the answers. I should, I should, I should. And I should. (laughs) And for me, it's really about recognising, you know, there's actually research that shows that the most successful leaders are those who are prepared to change their mind, who are prepared to admit their mistakes, who are prepared to be honest about what their strengths are and where they're not yet where they want to be and what they're working on developing. And that is a much stronger role model for other people in the business than trying to be invulnerable. The difficulty is in the moment, it's very easy. If you don't feel 100% confident, it's very easy to try and kind of put the shutters down and kind of give an illusion of confidence because you feel like that will make other people more confident in you and you don't want to kind of show those chinks. But when you do, all of the research suggests that you will get a far better response because people know you're not perfect. So trying to pretend to be is just a a losing battle from the start. So yeah, make a plan and don't try to be invulnerable would be my two key takeaways when you're promoted. Thank you for those tips. They're great. And I'll also just signpost people again, actually, to the second episode in this little series, which is about how to be strategic in your new HR leadership role. So where you've recommended actually getting to grips with what are the expectations of the role, 
in that previous episode, I introduced something I've created called the HR Strategy Shaping Interview Templates. I wish I'd come up with a shorter name, but that's the best I could come up with. And what it essentially is, is a series of questions to ask your team, your peers, the senior leadership team, whether you're part of that or you you know sit underneath a board. And from that, you're then able to really understand, okay, where are the opportunities here that, of course, you've then got to prioritise and move forward with. But I'm hoping that that's going to be a big help for people at that stage. What I love to hear that you've introduced is to then also identify any skills gaps. That's not something I've actually talked about before. That is such fabulous advice. And if I can just pin you down on that for a second longer, I would love to pick your brains on it a bit more. So you mentioned the fact that there are actually the behaviours that you need to be able to embody in that role, as well as hard skills, I suppose you would call them, or technical skills. So I often think it's the technical skills that are easiest to get hung up on. Like, oh gosh, I you know, haven't really had to do much around executive pay before and actually it's something we really need to sort out within the organization I better go away and learn how to do that or see if I can bring in some external expertise but actually the behaviors that can feel a little bit more slippery and intangible so are you able to give us any more insights into actually how you do identify the behaviors that are required and then how you go about building them So a really useful framework I find for leaders around behaviours is the emotional intelligence framework. So it's something that I work with a lot with leaders and it really complements. So very often people will have done personality assessments of some kind. And personality assessments and inventories are brilliant for self-insight and self-reflection and understanding who you are. But fundamentally, who you are doesn't change that much that quickly. So emotional intelligence is much more about the behaviours, because regardless of your personality, you can demonstrate behaviours. So within the emotional intelligence framework, there are behaviours that probably will come more naturally to you, but there will also be some really helpful ways of thinking about how can where where are some of the, the things where I can get the biggest bang for my buck, if you like, on shifting. And emotional intelligence as a framework is all about how you operate when emotions are at play. So it's not just a workplace thing, but it's really, really helpful. So how do you operate when you feel frustrated? How do you operate when you feel uncertain? How do you operate when, you know, and these are some of the questions that people can ask themselves when they're promoted, because you can predict that some of those types of things will happen. And one, I would say probably, no, if I pick two, I won't won't pin myself down to one, I'll pick two, but two aspects of emotional intelligence that are really helpful to think about when people are promoted is empathy and decision-making. So empathy is crucial and it's about that ability to understand how your own emotions are at play, how that interacts with when other people's emotions are at play and being able to predict how other people might feel in given circumstances. And if you, and that, that's a skill, people sometimes think of it as, 
you know either i'm empathetic or i'm not it is a skill pure and simple you can practice it you can get better at it and as a leader the more able you are to predict other people's emotional responses then you can behave in ways that will likely give a better outcome as opposed to leave it to chance the other side is the decision making piece so with this it's really thinking about how you and others might operate when emotions are at play within decisions one of the ones within hr that comes up sadly a huge amount is around situations of restructures redundancies changes you know the impact on people's lives within hr is huge and when you're making decisions it's about being able to make decisions with compassion deliver them with compassion but make the right commercial decisions so when you operate in that way it's not about necessarily doing the easy thing it's about doing the right thing but it's also then delivering that with empathy so for for a leadership role within hr i would say those two in combination are really really key and you mentioned an emotional intelligence, I think, tool or assessment. I know that you're trained in one. What's the one that you're trained in and that you recommend? And presumably that you could have a session with someone listening to this if they wanted to, or if they think, oh, actually, there's a leader within the business who I think would really benefit from this. What's the tool that you use? Yeah, so I use a tool by a company called MHS. Uh, MHS, not NHS, for some reason. <laughs> and um, it is an inventory that provides a report. So it's a self-assessed inventory and it's a very similar process to a personality psychometric. So you are asked a series of questions. From that, there's then a report and what we then do is go through the feedback from that report and identify where are you already at a strong level? Where might you benefit from really focusing your attention? Because with emotional intelligence it is one where when you put your attention to it you expect your score to improve over time so unlike a personality psychometric where it's unlikely to shift significantly with emotional intelligence you really can make shifts and that that has been a game changer you know just that that session and that awareness for some clients um particularly as i say around empathy and decision making those have been some of the key ones for leaders where it's kind of like oh yeah that's where i need to put my work (laughs) I'm really pleased that I asked you about the behaviours then. I think that's invaluable advice and insights to give. Thank you so much, Jackie. And then as I just touched on, anyone listening to this may be listening, primarily thinking about their own promotion. But of course, being an HR professional, you have that responsibility and oversight and influence over the whole organisation and everyone's development within it. So it would be great to hear what you think as HR professionals we should be mindful of when supporting internal promotions. So what really do we need to be thinking of for our own internal promotions processes, whether it's us that's being promoted or actually it's other people within the business? So I would say probably there are two key things that strike me with this that probably are it's brilliant when they do happen but they probably don't happen as consistently in the business world as they ideally would and the first is to support and develop people before rather than after the promotion 
So develop that leadership capability, you know, and it was brilliant to hear that you're working with people where there is that capacity for um, promotion. They won't all get it, but actually what a brilliant foresight for that business, because regardless of whether those people get promoted or not, that development and support will and we undoubtedly impact them in their existing roles. So often I think businesses kind of almost don't think of it ahead of time. It doesn't feel enough of a priority. And one of the things I often hear is, oh, they're not ready yet. And actually that's something that as an HR professional, you can really support and challenge the business for. You know, the, the recruitment market at the moment is really tricky. It's really difficult to get great candidates. And the businesses that are seeing success are those that are able to retain talent and to develop talent internally. So pro providing that support before the opportunity is available can really enable that and mean that you don't have to go to an external market and buy an external expertise and run the risk that somebody you know, doesn't quite fit in the business because if you've got somebody internally and you provide that route, then brilliant. The second I would say is to really make the process as robust when people are promoted internally as when you bring people in externally, because while the context is different, the that kind of onboarding piece and the importance of that person understanding that this is in effect an induction or onboarding period for them in that new role and giving them the permission to really focus on their own learning and their understanding before just kind of throwing them in the deep end is really, really crucial. So when you are promoting people internally, you can take them through that process that I described to do for yourself of that kind of 90 day plan. As an HR professional, you can really support other people by enabling and supporting them through that same process. You can ask them those reflective questions, you know, or if you know, you, you, you can provide that structure to their line manager, depending upon how it sits within your business. Um, but yeah, I feel if people do that, then that investment in the early days of somebody's promotion just pays back. They they get to a point of contribution so much quicker when they've had that opportunity to really pause rather than kind of flounder around working out what's expected of me. Really great advice. Thanks so much, Jackie. And that brings me on to your book recommendation. So I'm intrigued as to what you're going to recommend, if it is going to be something that helps people with being promoted internally or something completely different. So what would you like to share with us today? So the book I'm going to recommend is not just for those that it's not that specific for those that being promoted internally. It's a book that I feel is really valuable for all leaders. So it's called Think Again, um, The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know. And it's by um, Adam Grant. And it touches on a lot of the topics that are really important for those that are promoted internally, but also the things that are really important for leaders. So it touches on the importance of humility. It touches on the importance of being willing to change your perspective and not kind of get stay tied to old beliefs and thoughts. It talks about imposter syndrome and how, you know, that can show up for people. And it really talks as well about approaches to influence, which, of course, for a leadership role is absolutely critical. I absolutely devoured it when I read it. I, I absolutely loved it. So, yeah, it was a relatively recent one and one that I'll be going back to for sure. 
Ooh, I'm a huge Adrian Grant fan. I think he is absolutely fantastic. And as you're probably not going to be shocked to hear, given that I have a podcast, I love listening to podcasts as well. And his podcast is probably one of my absolute favourites. He records the episodes in seasons, so it's not a weekly one. But if you're listening now and you want to listen back to some of his episodes, it's done in conjunction with TED, as in TED Talks. And I'm trying to think what the name of it is now. It's just completely gone out of my head. But I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Oh, I've remembered. It's called Work Life with Adam Grant. It's absolutely fantastic. He also has TED Talks that he's done as well. I've also mentioned one of his other books, actually, in a solo episode that I recorded, which is called Give and Take. And he's done a brilliant TED Talk on that. But I haven't heard of or read the book that you have just mentioned, Jackie. So I may have to rename myself. I'm not sure I can call myself a true Adam Grant fan if I haven't read that book. So I am definitely going to be buying that. Thank you so much for sharing it. My pleasure. And I know that you are in the midst of creating a fabulous leadership development resource. Would you like to just quickly tell everyone about that? I'm sure they'd love to hear about it. Thank you. Yeah, so this has been driven by recognising that need for time efficient ways for leaders to get what they need as they need it within their role. So it's called the Practical Leadership Academy. And what people get is an online training library that covers um, a range of very practically, um, as you'll have seen, um, you know, the name does what it says on the tin. So it's very much about practical tips for how people can operate within leadership roles. And in addition to that, there's also the opportunity to kind of build on that and to add additional tailored support if people need it. But really, that as a resource is there to provide a really cost effective and time effective solution for leaders to get what they need as they need it during their role. Brilliant. And so for anyone listening who thinks, oh, I need to know more about Jackie or get in touch with her, what's the best ways of them finding out more about you and your work, finding out about the Practical Leadership Academy and getting in touch with you? Uh, So LinkedIn is by far the best way to get hold of me. So I'm Jackie Jagger on LinkedIn. It should be fairly easy to find. And yeah, there's links to the resources are in my profile on LinkedIn, or you're very welcome to drop me a message. Brilliant. And I will put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes as well. Well, Jackie, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for sharing all of your valuable expertise with the HR Coffee Time audience. Thank you for having me. I've loved it. As always, I really hope that you have enjoyed today's episode and found it useful. If you have been listening to the show and finding it helpful, I would be hugely grateful if you would rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify for me. It makes a huge difference as then the platforms are much more likely to show the podcast to people who might not have heard of it before. And one final thing to let you know is that if you're following the show every single week and you're looking forward to next week's episode landing, I'm actually going to be taking a break next week. I'm going on holiday, hooray, and really looking forward to having some time off. So I'm going to take a proper break, but don't worry, the show won't be gone forever. It will be back again in two weeks time.